everybody, and thanks for joining us for another week of the Rec Poker Podcast. I'm so excited to be here as your host. Uh, my name is Jim Reed. I'm Bluff Servini in the home game and at Rec Poker Jim on Twitter. Uh, but I am just one of the Wrecking Crew members, the core team, the folks that make everything work around here. We couldn't do it without them, just like we couldn't do it without our sponsors, Mark Prashan over at Website Amp and the wonderful folks at the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. They've got some fun stuff coming up, too. If you want to go to Running Aces, um, check out their website, and uh, you'll find out some cool events happening in December that I think some people in Minnesota might get pretty excited about. Um, and if you're excited about that kind of thing, uh, I know you know what Rec Poker is all about. We're a group of very enthusiastic, amateur, recreational poker players. We love the game. We love learning the game. We love learning from each other's mistakes. And so we share our pain with each other. We study together. We learn together. We celebrate together. We commiserate each other uh, with each other. We do it all at rec.poker. And you can go and get a free account right now. All it takes is an email address and a smile. And uh, you can take the next step and join our premium membership where we, uh, for $15 a month, really dive into poker strategy. Um, we have learning and training seminars, uh, multiple events every week. If you use the code RECPOKER, you can get your first month for only 5 bucks. So I encourage you to go and try that out. Um, you'll be learning with members of the Wrecking Crew. Like I said, I'm one of the Wrecking Crew members, but I'm just the guy they put in front of the mic on Mondays. You can go to rec.poker slash crew to find out about me and all the rest of the wonderful folks here that make the magic happen. Uh, but you're going to meet a few of them right now, so you can just listen on up. Well, I'll spare you my pain from Sunday, but it was a painful Sunday, and I'm Chris <laughs> Jones. You can find me 5v5 on Twitter or 5x5 in the Poker Stars home game. And I am John Somsky. I am Poker Geek MN everywhere. Oh, and uh, Rob Washam, for some reason, we're having trouble hearing him, but he is Rob Washam. He's Rabman50 pretty much everywhere. And even though that Zoom looks like it's unmuted, for whatever reason, we were not getting your audio, Rob. So um, Rob will be starting in the chat box along with all our viewers um, who are joining us live every week on YouTube. I'd encourage if you're listening to this at home, uh, come pop in it's every Monday night, 730 Eastern. We go live on YouTube with a guest. Uh, you can ask your questions in real time and you can even win a prize at the end with our food bank promotion that we do each and every week. So uh, without further ado, I'd like to uh, welcome Sky Matsuhashi uh, to the show, the, the one and only from Smart Poker Study from the Poker Forge. Uh, he's the man that puts it all together. Sky, thank you for joining us here on the show tonight. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah. Well, you have a uh, you've got such a great attitude about poker and, um, you know, recreational poker players are kind of our bread and butter. And I know that's a group that you have a lot of affinity with. Um, you work with a lot of excellent, um, skilled and experienced players, uh, but I think a lot of intermediate and beginner players also have a lot to learn um, from some of the material that you put out there. So I was excited to have you back. Um, why don't you just tell, well, let's just get started. Tell us a little bit about kind of like what's been going on with you lately, what you've been doing in the poker world, and then we'll get into some strategy segments a little later on. Yeah, one uh, one big thing is I've done the Smart Poker Study podcast for a really long time, and I used to take the audio from the podcast and just put it out as a, a video on YouTube without any image, like without seeing me on camera, without showing anything, just a static image with the audio playing, right? But I said, you know, I, I'd rather do something better. I would rather make YouTube videos now 
And then in the videos kind of explain everything that I'm doing, but I show you what I'm doing, whether I'm playing poker, I'm reviewing hands, I'm using Flopzilla Pro. So my YouTube videos now are more like, I don't know, robust and more value oriented, more helpful for students, recreational and experienced uh, uh, players. But then I strip out the audio and put that in the podcast. So that's the big thing. And and like I've only done it for the past four episodes now or so. And so it's kind of like a learning process. I'm redoing because I used to just script the episodes and just read my entire script, you know, put screenshots of things in the show notes and everything. But doing this now as a video and then editing videos, which is no fun at all for anybody who's ever edited. <laughs> hate editing, but so it's 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 a learning process, but I'm really spending a lot of time there trying to up my YouTube game. And at the same time, I I think I'm giving really good value with the podcast as well by doing it this way instead. Yeah, I bet. I mean, I think a lot of people out there have that kind of visual interface. They kind of appreciate that visual element when they're learning. I know I know I do. Um, has that changed the way that you approach the subject matter of your podcast? Yes, it does, without a doubt. I'm trying to be more like well, in the videos, I try to get right to the point. In a podcast, because people are listening while they're walking their dog, mowing the lawn or whatever, mm. you can be kind of like more nonchalant and get to the point one or two minutes in, right? But in a video on YouTube, you got to boom, get right to it because you got to de deliver value right away. Because if they don't see value in the first 10 or 15 seconds, they click out of there super quick, right? So I need to start hitting them right away with what they're going to learn and start teaching right away. And so that's kind of I think it's made me a stronger coach in some ways right there, mm. just trying to deliver value as quick as I can instead of rambling on, which I tend well, to do sometimes. Yeah, you and me both, brother. <laughs> we got a comment in the chat here from Jack LaRue saying, uh, I love your YouTube update. So obviously it's hitting, striking a chord already with, uh, and Jack's just the kind of guy that you want to have on your side when it comes to that sort of thing. So I'm glad to hear that. And I'm not at all surprised. Um, yeah, me too. Thanks, Jack. So talk to me a little bit about that. Uh, that that process of video creation and editing, um, I, I get the sense it, it takes more work, it takes more time, it probably takes more planning a little bit. Can you tell me a little bit kind of how, like, I don't know, do you have a sense of like how long it takes per per video or, or uh, that kind of thing? Talk to, a little bit about that production process. Yeah, definitely. So I have an idea for a video, whatever that is. I start brainstorming what is the information I want the student, the audience member, the viewer to learn, the, the podcast listener as well. Like, what is the most value that I can deliver? And, you know, just like when you teach anything, you got to start with like, what is the deal? What's the problem? What's the issue? What are we trying to solve with these strategies? So you get into the problem first, and then you get into the solutions to that problem. Or maybe it's like teaching them a new strategy to make money. Well, you know, you outline like a scenario that is common that we all experience. And then we get into here's what you can do in those situations, right? So um, that's, I start with an idea, then I just start brainstorming. And I often either do an Excel based learning where I have everything typed out in Excel, and we're just going down the Excel spreadsheet. Um, or I create like a, a PowerPoint presentation of slides with, you know, things pop up, boom, 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 words and images and stuff, and just give a presentation. But either way, it's kind of like a presentation where I'm looking at the camera. I imagine the camera is my audience. They're looking at me. I'm teaching in a classroom is basically how I treat it. And from creation to finally, the episode, any episode is done when I've recorded all the videos, edited them, posted them on YouTube, got my thumbnail made, exported it to audio. <laughs> <laughs> created the MP3 for the podcast, released that, 
created the show notes page with all the images, and then finally email out to my newsletter that the new episode's available. So it's all those, it's like nine basic big steps. And it takes anywhere from four to eight hours to do for one episode. Because I'm not just making a video, like I said, there's other aspects to it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you can tell it's a, it's a labor of love. Um, you've been doing the podcast for a long time now. And I've always been impressed because, you know, here, it's a group effort. You know, we get to kind of have a conversation with each other. We uh, we riff on each other's um, uh, takes and it kind of we kind of share the burden. Um, it feels like it must be uh, it must be just a very different experience kind of speaking into the void uh, without any feedback like that at all. Is that is that difficult or have you just kind of just totally nailed it by now? It doesn't even bother you anymore. It doesn't bother me. I've nailed it. But then I often run ideas and things by either PokerForge members in my Discord server where, you know, we can chat about things or my one-on-one -on -one students. You know, sometimes they'll ask guy what's going on. Mm. Or if I have a question, I just might ask them, hey, what do you think about this? And then I'll get feedback that way. But yeah, I am a one-man show, but I have hired somebody to make my thumbnails for YouTube because that's an area that I just, I'm lost. Not lost. I can make a thumbnail. But to make a catchy, good-looking thumbnail, you know, I just uh, it's just not in me to do that. Not uh, visually creative like that. But then uh, later this month or maybe next month, I'm going to hire my first virtual assistant to help and do a lot of mundane, tedious tasks, um, and then and then hopefully start growing from there. So I I, I have the, the idea is build a team so I can do more and get more done. Mm -hmm. And to take more things off your plate. Because you're uniquely situated to do some of the things required by the organization and a lot of the other stuff, you know, anybody who kind of knows what they're doing could handle that kind of stuff. So, um, so like creating thumbnails, some of the other like log logistical details about getting the getting the thing um, live, that, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, is that when you do something yourself so much, is it is it hard to kind of like release control of some of those things? <laughs> is that is that an issue? Yeah, without a doubt. I haven't hired a VA yet, virtual assistant, so I haven't really gone through the process. But I think about all the steps that I do, and it seems to me that I don't want to take the time to train somebody to do this stuff. But I know mm. that if I do, if I spend like an extra whatever whatever is required to train somebody to do this stuff, that saves me hours and hours each week. And not only that, but I can give them tasks, things that I've been wanting to do for such a long time. I can give them those tasks that they can do like mundane things like organizing my YouTube videos by playlist or mm. getting my um, my current books and everything. I have them for sale on Amazon, but they're not on um, on the various other places where you can sell ebooks and things, right? Like um, whatever, Nook yeah. or Kindle, you know, all the different other all other places. So there's so many things that I can have them do that I just don't have the time or I don't want to uh, uh, find the time to do myself. Right. And there's a real opportunity cost, I think, to not doing those things at all. Um, you know, you get a chance to kind of pick up some low-hanging fruit. We talk about that here a lot. Uh, this is a great time for me to shout out uh, Diego and Renz who do a lot of work for us on our uh, on our team behind the scenes. They're our production managers. And uh, uh, Diego, I'm actually, is just moving on. So Diego, if you're listening, farewell and good luck to you, sir. You've got some exciting stuff coming. And I'm excited to see what Renz uh, can do on the show with us. Um, and it really has helped a lot just to have some some help in those areas. And uh, and I also got to shout out Roger Schutte, who's a, who's a premium member who does a lot of our uh, audio optimization behind the scenes as well. I mean, you know, it, man, it, it takes help. You need help if you're going to do a lot of this stuff. And uh, I love the idea that you're going to be freed up yourself 
to do more of the video creation and the brainstorming that goes on. So if, if folks don't know, so the Poker Forge is one of our learning partners here at Rec Poker. Um, Sky Matsuhashi has been working with us for a long time, and we get to share some of his amazing material with our premium members every month. It's a phenomenal arrangement. Um, we're lucky to have you on the team. Sky is fantastic. Um, so how do you uh, choose what is going to be a video, what's going to be a, a Poker Forge premium uh, strategy segment, what's going to go out on the podcast? What's that process like? Um, when an idea hits me, I just decide this is going to be the idea for this next week. I actually have like, I literally have a list of 30 or 40 podcast topics, kind of like in order that I want to mm. do. And if if something new comes to mind, I'll I'll look at my list and I'll add it. This is going to be number four. This is going to be number 24 after I get to all these other things. So I constantly have a list of just, and videos too, YouTube videos as well, just regular training, not podcast stuff. I have so many ideas right there. So I have a list like Microsoft Word documents on my desktop. I can open up and look, and these are what I'm, I've, I've thought about doing. And when I started the podcast and started making videos on YouTube, just started smartpokerstudy.com, I thought I would run out of ideas eventually. But that's not the way it works. I think when you really enjoy something, the ideas can keep coming. I can make videos for the rest of my life probably on poker, right? And also as I play more, as I coach more, as I become a better coach and a better player, I can now teach new strategies Mm. and dive into things differently. So sometimes you'll hear a podcast from me. And if you're familiar with my catalog, you might think, Sky talked about this three years ago. And and sometimes I take an old podcast idea, but I just add to it and I change things to to what I think is a better coaching experience or better learning experience for the students, you know. And then but when it comes to making things for YouTube or the Poker Forge, since I've built out the Poker Forge entirely, all nine courses are there with the 10th course coming next year. Um, when I add videos to the Poker Forge, those are specifically like a member has a question. And I think that's a great idea for a video and it would put fit perfectly in this course within the nine, you know, and then I'll make the video. I don't set out, like, look at my calendar and say, okay, I got to make a forge video this week and a YouTube video next week and a forge, you know, I don't do that. Just whatever ideas come to me. But because I'm constantly interacting with my students and poker forge members, I'm always getting ideas and always releasing new stuff. Yeah. And I think it, it's nice when you kind of have that natural passion that's driving this too you know and i think we have to all flow like water when it comes to this kind of stuff we got to go in the direction that we are choosing to go in and follow that natural passion and harness that um because otherwise this starts to feel like a job god lord knows we don't want that like we love that's this not too what much. i want yeah no no exactly we wouldn't be in this we wouldn't be doing this if we uh if that was our mindset um well, I'll say uh, if you're on the panel here, of course, and you're not Rob Washam, feel free to unmute and you can ask Sky any questions you like. If you're following along in our YouTube chat, uh, please do just type any questions in the uh, chat box there and I'll, uh, Chris and I will relay them to Sky here. Um, so, Sky, oh, I had a question. You you help other people study poker and learn poker. Um, you're fantastic at it. So many people benefit from the content and the material that you put out there. Um how do you do you have an active study part of your week or your month or is your study just kind of fully made up of the work that you put into your training material um that's a big portion of it my training material is part of my studies uh for sure but then 
also like as I'm playing, I realize and recording my own statistics and win rates, which I recommend everybody do, my students, PokerForge members, and anybody outside. Take a look at your stats and win rates with Poker Tracker 4 or Hold a Manager every two to 5,000 hands or so, and then see where your leaks are. Where are you losing money? Where are you making money, right? Where you're losing money, fix those things. Where you're making money, do more of that. And then so when I notice a leak, when I when I see that, oh my God, I'm calling C-bets way too often, whatever the leak might be, right? Um, then I know I need to focus on that. And then so I'll start studying it. I'll review a ton of hands, do a lot of hand reading and stuff. But recently I've been working on G. GTO studies. Um, I'm trying to learn a software called GTO Plus, which ties mm-hmm. into Flopzilla Pro, and I absolutely love Flopzilla Pro. So I got GTO Plus. And uh, GTO is game theory optimal for anybody that doesn't know. It's a way to look at range, like a player versus a player, and what the optimal plays are given what your opponent's range is. But so it's difficult for me to learn this. Um, not difficult for me to learn it, difficult for me to wrap my head around GTO because in all my days of playing and coaching, I'm all about exploiting my opponent. Mm-hmm. Like I know that my opponent folds to three bets too often, so I'm going to just three bet more. You know, I don't care what G- game theory optimal mathematics <laughs> says. He folds, I three bet, right? He folds on the turn, I bet the turn. Like that. So, but game theory optimal is just a totally new way to look at poker. And I'm trying to learn for, for one thing, wrap my head around GTO, but then also try to figure out how can GTO studies help me exploit my opponents more. And so it's a really big learning process. So actually every day um, uh, 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 in the discord server for the poker forge, I've been doing GTO plus studies. So I jump on for 30 minutes to an hour. I've got GTO plus and I'm not like, I don't do those streams with the promise of we're going to learn something today, right? We're studying together. No, I'm just trying to learn the software, figure it out. And if you want to watch, if the PokerForge members want to watch along and see me muddy, muddle through the software and try to learn myself, then they can do that. So that's that's what, that's that's my big area of study right now, GTO. Amazing. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of people benefit from sort of seeing someone else using the software. Um, it's just a lot easier for someone to shine a light on the path in front of you a little bit. So you're not taking those steps in the dark yourself all the time. Yeah. Um, so we got one question you talk about, um, cause you know, we look at databases for clients and we, we look at hand reviews for coaching clients and for members and that kind of thing. And it's easy to see areas where people are doing wrong and say, do this less. You referenced finding areas where people are doing things right, things that are making money, and then doing that more. That I think it's hard to kind of imagine, oh, well, I'll just, I, I guess, can you give me an example of uh, of how you might find that and then how you might implement that into your everyday play at the tables? Yeah, absolutely. The 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 thing that comes to mind first is three betting, right? Mm. If you look at your database and you filter for the times when you made a three bet, and you also filter for the times that you open raised and then called a three bet, you're probably going to find most players will find this, especially if they've never done studies. You're winning money when three betting and you're losing money when calling three bets. That's a, a super common thing. So like like you could just like look at your results and say, oh, well, I'm losing when when calling. So I got to work on those strategies there. But if you dive in a little bit deeper and get into the psychology behind it, I've always taught that aggressive poker is winning poker. Three betting, where do the profits come from three betters? The people who call. I mean, the people <laughs> who fold too, you're you're winning their, their pre-flop chips, right, when they fold. But the profits coming from those callers, you're losing money when calling three bets. Where's that money going? To the three better. 
right? So if, if you dive in and look at it like as, as a big picture thing, three betting is way better than calling three bets. So as a general strategy, three bet more often, call three bets less. Simple general strategy right there. That's the first thing that comes to mind. And then there's all those other kind of... Um, if you look at any kind of opposites, right? When you're two betting, you're you're making that first open raise pre-flop, you're going to be more profitable than when you're calling two bets. When you see bet, you're going to be more profitable than calling C bets, you know? And if you just pay attention to your numbers a whole lot more, you're going to start noticing those patterns and you're going to realize, oh my God, um, the Tom Dwans of the world, the Phil Ivies, all these guys who always get aggressive, the Antonio Esfandiaris. They know what they're doing. They know what they're talking about. I finally understand what they're saying. I got to call less and raise more, you know, but it it takes a while of thinking about it and playing to really understand and grasp that. And then it takes purposeful like practice and a willingness to get aggressive, to turn yourself into the into the Tom Dwan that a lot of us want to be. <laughs> yeah, you said it. Yeah, Chris, did you have something there? Well, I just wanted to kind of jump off that uh, th- that segment about the three betting. Uh, every month, Rec Poker has sort of shifted to doing these sort of monthly themes where we as a community have a conversation about a topic. Um, and this month, we're really it's we're talking about those maybe unprofitable or areas where we are sort of maybe losing uh, is is defending against three bets. And um, I'm wondering we're going to do it sometimes, right? Sometimes we're going to, we're, we need to be calling three bets to, to sort of defend our opening ranges. Um, so what are some things to think about as a player uh, who's maybe starting to think about this rather than, Oh, this is a, this is a pretty hand. It's not strong enough to four. I mean, what else should we be thinking about when we're thinking about defending against three bets? Yeah. So um, when it comes to to facing three bets, the first thing I teach my students is before you even open raise, Look ahead to the players still to act and see if there are any three bet bluffers still to act. If you're thinking about open raising in the cutoff, but the button, the small blind and the big blind all love to three bet, you're just asking for a three bet, right? So plan on that three bet coming first, or at least look ahead. Now, the interesting thing is if you see no three bet bluffers, nobody ever three bet bluffs. They only ever three bet with queens or better. That's it. Well, you open race, you face a three bet, easy fold. Like there's there's no thinking about it, unless you have pocket aces or kings, right? I mean... It's a super easy fold. So that's the first step to being better or to becoming better at facing three bets and defending against them is looking for them ahead of time. The second thing about that is when you face a three bet, you have to have an understanding of your opponent. Like I said earlier, I'm all about exploiting my opponents. I play the player. When somebody three bets, you have to put them on a range, try to visualize their range of hands. Um, and that comes with practice using Flopzilla Pro, building ranges, reviewing hands, that kind of stuff, right? You put them on a range of hands, and then you can determine what hands to potentially call with. Um, and those are basically hands at the top of their three betting range. If they only three bet, like let's imagine you have ace five. Of course, they have the strongest pocket pairs in their three betting ranges, right? But if they only three bet with ace king, you're killing yourself if you call with ace five. You truly, you truly are. Um, uh, the mathematical disadvantage of your ace five versus his ace king is bad. And even your ace five versus his kings, queens, jacks, and tens, you know, you're a dog to all of those, right? You have the ace over card, but still it's bad. So you're giving them that mathematical advantage. But if you have ace king or ace queen and your opponent three bets you with um all the suited aces, maybe off-suit broadways, they three bet with like pocket sevens, eights, and nines and, and above, then call at the top of their range, the ace-king, the ace-queen suited, you can call because you have that slightly 
um, uh, you're not slightly, you, you probably are like an even, even footing equity wise, your big hand versus their full range of three betting. You might even be slightly ahead. If you just kind of like take out aces and Kings, you're kind of ahead against all pocket pairs and some other aces right there. So that's, that's the thing, but here's the thing. So your hand is important when calling, you want some equity, but you truly have to think, how am I going to win this pot post flop? Because you're not going to hit the flop like two times mm. out of every three, 67%. Your ace king isn't going to flop a top pair. Your tens are going to, the flop's going to come ace king or queen high against your pocket tens, right? So you have to have a plan. You don't just look at your hand and say, oh, he three bet me. Let's, let's imagine. Okay. This is the worst scenario. You hold ace queen suited. You open raise brand new player. You've never seen him before. You don't know anything about him. He three bet you to 10 big blinds. He started with only 50 big blinds. He three bets you to 10. And then you say, oh, I got ace king. I got a call. No, you don't know anything about the player. He's in position on the button. He only has 50 big blinds. As soon as you call, there's going to be 20 big blinds in the pot. He's only going to have 40. It's going to be so hard to get him to fold post flop. And most likely you're not going to hit an ace or a king. You're going to have to bluff if you want to win. So that's a terrible spot to be calling against a complete unknown. You can't even put him on a range of hands. You know what I mean? So like the more you know about your opponent, uh, the better you're able to make a plan for post-flop. Okay, I hold ace-queen suited. I know this guy loves to c-bet bluff on flops, but he's very turn honest. I can call him on the flop and then bluff when he checks the turn. Boom, you got a plan. So before you called the three-bet, you already know what you're potentially going to do. Now, the worst flop in the world can come, and he bets 150% pot on the flop. Oh, great, just fold, right? But at least you had that plan. You had a backup because you realize that most likely you're not going to win. I'm sorry, you're not going to hit a pair on the flop. So those are all the big considerations right there when it comes to calling three bets. It's not just your hand. Oh, it's also your position. If you raise mm. in the cutoff and he's three betting from the small blind, you can afford a little bit more leeway in your calls because you're in position on the flop. But if you open in the cutoff, he calls on the button. Eek, now he's got position. If he's a loose, aggressive player, he's going to potentially bet, bet, bet into you, right? So... Yeah, position matters too. So there's a lot of different factors there. Yeah, let me follow up on the positional uh, question there a little bit because I, I think it, everyone should be looking left and everyone should be thinking about you know what's going to happen on future streets and have a plan for success there. Um, I think players aren't sure how important position is when it comes to hand selection. Can you give me a couple examples of a hand that you would call a three bet? with uh when you were in position or that you would not if you were out of position and sort of what the characteristics of that hand are that that make it so yeah it would be like a weaker hand so a hand that was like in the middle of their range earlier i gave the example of calling with ace king or ace queen but if i had ace jack or ace 10 suited um or even like king queen suited or pocket nines i might decide to call if i have position but if i'm out of position with those hands i'm probably just going to let it go I'm going to let my two and a half or three big blinds go. I don't want to choose to go out of position. Flop turn three streets. I'm going to be out of position in a big pot. He three bets to nine big blinds. If I call, that's 19.5 if you count the blinds, right? That's a big pot right there. As soon as you check, he's going to bet 12 or 13. If you call, that pot's huge on the turn, right? You're pretty much committed, not committed, but you're getting close to committed by the turn. And so it's just such a dangerous situation to approach from out of position. I'm just I'm just folding all those marginal iffy hands. 
Um, but if I have a great idea of how I can exploit this player when I have position, then I'll open up my calling range because I already thought about it. I know how to exploit this guy. King queen suited, jack 10 suited, pocket eights. I might call just with the idea that I know he's flop honest. He's going to check on the flop. If you miss, I'm going to bet and take it down. Yep. Just goes to show. I mean, the more you know about the players at the table, uh, the more you're able to kind of deviate from these general rules and make those exploits like Sky's talking about. And, um, you know, Sky, you play a lot of cash uh, games. And so you're maybe you're going to see the same opponents more frequently at the table. You can kind of get more hands on them. Uh, uh, there's actually a question here from uh, Joseph Coolis in the chat who says on anonymous sites like Ignition, um, beyond broad population thoughts, do you have suggestions of how to characterize villains when you get them for a, a, a much shorter period in front of you? Yeah, absolutely. And actually, all this year, I've been playing mostly on Ignition, and I'm using mm. my basic same strategies. The big thing, what was the the guy's name in the chat? Uh, Joseph Coolis. We call him so Joe Joseph. Cool. Um, the big thing is try to classify your opponents ASAP, right? Mm. Let me give you a great example. I do this every, th- every single time. Somebody sits down at the table with 30 big blinds and they right. post a big blind in the MP, fish. I label him green right away. Absolute fish, right? I haven't even seen him play a hand. I know he's a fish because of just, just like I, like I just said, those things. Um, and then pay attention on ignition. If you have poker tracker four, you can get the ignition hand grabber, utilize the HUD. All you need to do really is look at VPIP and PFR, right? If so, VPIP is voluntarily put money in the pot. PFR is preflop raise. If that gap between the two is, is bigger than their PFR, like let's just take a good, good example, 30 slash five. He plays 30% of hands. He only raises 5% of the time. That 25% gap is all of his calls and limps. That's another fish right there. So contrast that. And, and you'll see that 30 slash 5 within 10 or 12 hands on a player. Like super quick. Even at six max, it's just two rounds at the table. 15 minutes, you already get a good read on him. But the, uh, a similar player, 30 slash 20, that gap is only 10 but they're raising 20% of the time, playing 30% hands, that's a loose aggressive player. So just use VPIP and PFR and just classify them. As soon as you have an idea of what they're up to, just tag them as that player and then treat them as like you had said, that broad category, that um, uh, generalization of the player pool. Just play against them that way. Yeah, until you learn more. Like when you're sitting there 20, 30, 50 hands, then you have a better understanding. But you can truly, everybody at the table within the first two rounds, you can um uh, uh character ca- characterize each of them by player type but just keep paying attention the fish could turn into a tight aggressive player he mm. just had a lot of hands to start with that he just called and called and called with you know um but he could turn tight aggressive so tag them and then pay attention potentially be willing to change your uh uh assumption of their player type or presumption i would rather say I like that a lot. So, you know, there are certain things that you that should be apparent to you very quickly that you can start to make these assumptions about. Uh, but then don't be afraid to go back and adjust that if you've been playing with them for longer and you have new information. Of course, that yep. makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, Chris, do you have another thing? Well, yeah. And I, I mean, I think there's there's using your HUD and your sort of sense of, of stuff in game. But this question comes from Rob Adsum in the uh, chat. And he's sort of wondering about what are the when we're talking about uh looking at our hands after the fact and sort of studying them and you've you've already spoken about 
leaks and maybe even finding those things where we're being successful and doing well. But And so Rob's wondering, what are the three or four most important stats to pull out of PT4 to focus on for that kind of study? So, okay, uh, statistics, you want to look at your two bet and then call two bet. So, this, so let's go preflop first. Your two bet, which is open raising or raising over limpers, and then call two bet, which is calling that initial raise. But you want to look at call two bet by position, right? Mm. So two bet and then call two bet. You also want to look at your three bet percentage and your two bet and then call three bet. Never filter for just calling three bets. Most of us don't cold call three bets. Like sometimes you'll see the fishiest players cold call out of the big blind, nine big blinds. They haven't committed anything other than big blind. That's another sign of a fish, Joseph, if you remember that one right there. Um, um, but then so those are the 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 four pre-flop stats you definitely want to pay attention to. And when you see anything that just seems high, like imagine whatever your statistic is, imagine you saw a player at the table with that same stat. What does that say about the player? If you look at those stats and imagine that was Bob in seat one, and then you say, Oh my god, that guy's a fish. Look at those stats. You're a fish, right? Those are your stats. You're a fish. So, so you can use your understanding of exploiting other players and what HUD stats mean to just characterize yourself. Look at those. And then now you know a general area of study and of purposeful like practice and study that you can do to not be so fishy. Post-flop, you want to look at your C-bet flop turn river, your fold to flop turn and river C-bet. Also look at your call river statistic right there because that's kind mm-hmm. of important. Oh, I'm sorry, not call river statistic. One at showdown when calling river. That's an important one. Um, if you're winning at showdown after calling, just and I have some students who win after calling on rivers just 10 or 30% of the time, that's not enough. You're losing a ton of m- money if you're if you're winning only 10 or 30%, right? When you call at the final street, when the pot's the biggest, most chips at risk with your call right there. Um, so those are statistics. Now, for win rates, you want to look for all of those statistics I just mentioned, filter for those within Poker Tracker 4 to see what your win rate is when you make that play. So, for example, calling two bets, right? If you filter for calling a two bet preflop and you see that your win rates in the small blind when calling is negative 250 and in the big blind it's negative 125, well, if you had folded all those times instead of calling, I don't care if you call with pocket aces or kings. Um, called with pocket deuces and hit a set. If you would have folded all those times, your win rate in the big blind would be negative 100 instead of negative 125. You would have saved money even if you called in all those perfect spots or folded all those perfect spots. If you folded every small blind, you'd be at negative 50, but you're at negative 250. You 5X'd your all folding all hands losses by calling, right? So, so look at anything negative and red when it comes to filtering win rates and anything big and ugly, negative 200, negative 500. I have a student who, when he two bets and then calls three bets, he's at negative, he was at negative 766 wow. big blinds per hundred hands. Something That's like expensive. Close. Yeah, it's expensive. So that means every time he calls, on average, he's losing 7.66 big blinds. He only committed three big blinds as his open raise. If he would have folded versus every three bet, He'd be at negative 300, but he's at negative 766, two and a half X's losses right there. That's amazing. Uh, those are great stats. I'm sure uh, Captain Walleye is going to appreciate that. Um, 
Jack Burke, uh, another fantastic premium member, says, I'd love to hear any comments about 66 days of hand reading. And let me just say right off the bat, this is one of my favorite pieces of poker content that anyone has ever created. Almost every single coaching client that I get, it starts with, okay, have you started Sky Matsuhashi's 66 days of hand reading? Um, it's such a great way for people to go play along with you as you use Flopzilla to kind of break down their ranges. And it's the skill that I think benefits players of, of this wonderful game more than maybe any other skill. Just this ability of street-by-street decision-making, uh, 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 narrowing the range of hands that, that people can have. Um, do you often get this kind of amazing feedback about that program, that collection of videos? Is it is it... Have you done anything else that you feel like is in its same level of adoration in the poker world? Like uh, talk talk a little bit about that series and and why it's so amazingly popular and helpful. Yeah, people do seem to like it. I I, I looking at the viewership numbers, they don't go through all sixty six because that's a lot of videos to be watching. You know, of me doing one different hand that got to show down and doing the full hand reading exercise every single day, and I did it for sixty six days, and I absolutely loved doing it. It's the number one best like single sixty six days of of the same act- activity over and over again. But it's the single best thing I've ever done for my poker game. It developed me, developed my skills as a coach and everything. I absolutely loved it. And so I created that, I can't remember, four or five years ago or some, whatever, whatever the dates on the videos are on YouTube. But I loved it. And yeah, I've gotten so much good feedback about it. And uh, 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 people really enjoyed going through those videos with me. Like I said, I don't think they go through all 66, but I highly recommend like, like if you like video one or two, please go ahead, keep watching. Um, but the thing is, I highly recommend don't just watch the video, right? Mm. You're going to see me going through a hand. Um, pause the video, open up Flopzilla Pro and go along with me. Imagine you or me, like in those hand, I might have been Frisky Misky or my other screen name, Wacky Wan, right? Whatever it was. Imagine you're Frisky Misky or Wacky Wan, that opponent in seat one, that's your opponent. Like you play against him. Don't build the range that I build. Build the range that you would give that opponent if you were actually playing with him. So watching the videos is great. But one thing I like to say is do as you consume. If you watch somebody do a Poker Tracker 4 video, a Flopzilla Pro video, a GTO Plus video, open up the software if you have access to it on your computer and do it along with the person. You're going to learn so much more when you do that. And uh, if anyone is interested in any of those software choices, I'll tell them they can go to rec.poker slash resources and you'll find links to all of them uh, and some discount codes there too. I mean, Flopzilla, Poker Tracker 4, I think are two of the most important pieces of software you can have as a poker student. So I'd encourage people to to check that out. Um, and Fry, Sky, th- these are free videos on YouTube. Is this at, at, at the Smart Poker Study uh, YouTube channel? Yes, yes. It's just exactly. the tip of the it's, iceberg um, of what's available yeah. there, but it's mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's phenomenal. Just at Smart Poker Study, you can find all those free videos. I can't remember the count. I have near 400, probably over 400 videos on YouTube by now. I can't. It's all, And it's all free, obviously. It's YouTube, you know. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we've got one uh, more question here. This is from uh, premium member Eric Anderson in the chat, and then uh, we'll let you roll on out of here. Um, are you ever concerned about the legality of online poker and have you considered becoming uh, an activist to make poker legal in more states? And what can a rec poker player do to advance our cause? Um, <laughs> no, I'm not concerned with it. Um, and so this is just, just honest. I have, 
I guess I could get more concerned in activism, but no, I'm not concerned with legal poker. Poker, online poker isn't legalized or regulated in California, but I still play on America's card room and ignition. Um, I don't plan on ever being an activist for anything, really. <laughs> it's just not it's just not in my nature. Um, and then what was the last question? And uh, what what can other what can recreational players do in sort of this uh, to advance the cause of uh, of legalizing it or, or you know, not legalizing it necessarily, but making it um, a more, uh, oh, okay. uh, you know, a, yeah. a, a more protected class? That's a good question. I have no idea other than, um, you know, so if you're a recreational poker player, you probably play live as well. Maybe just like talk to your friends about it. If you make friends with them at the poker table, um, you know, let them know that you play on Ignition and America's Card Room and and just let them know that playing online is okay because a lot of people have this um, and maybe it's well justified and well earned with all the scandals in online poker and stuff. But they have this idea that online poker is full of um, collusion and mm. cheaters and bots. And, and sure, there is some of that, but there's that in live games as well, not bots, but cheaters and collusion and stuff right but just like be be your own just the way you play and the way you act just and um just be i guess a good representative for online poker if you're one of those people and it happens on youtube sometimes i release a video somebody will leave a comment um decrying online poker and say it's rigged and i always lose on the river and yeah 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 complain 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 if you're that kind of live player i'm sorry if you're that kind of person that complains about online poker you're not doing it any service you know so be i guess just be a proponent of online poker that doesn't mean go out there and get signatures for anything i mean you could do that if you want you know i'm i just that's just not me i'm not into activism but just be positive about online poker if you like it i I guess (laughs) Yeah, uh, Rob made a comment here that he always watches along with your uh, uh, hand re- hand reading videos uh, with a hand pulled from his own PT4, and uh, that seems like just a great way to do it. Sky, you're you're a proponent for active study, so it's no surprise. I mean, we we're we're big believers in that too. We try and make people talk through their action. We have a discourse about the material. You know, it activates a different part of your brain when you're actively studying as opposed to just um, watching along. So. Um, I guess is that it, how did you how did you decide that that was such a crucial part of of your own coaching method because so much of what you do is around it's not necessarily the Socratic method but it's about having the people kind of like do the work themselves and and building those synapses um, did that just come naturally to you or was it just become evident through your coaching career it it became evident as I was trying to learn poker and hmm. train myself before I ever created anything. Because like, if you look at any of the old books, I mean, they're teaching strategies and stuff, but nobody tells you how to study or how to practice or how to go through your poker tracker Four database. Um, there was hardly any videos on how to use poker stove at the time when I was learning back in 03 and 04, you know? And then, so I just eventually learned that just by trial and error for myself, right? I would read an entire book, Sklansky's book on, well, I can't remember the various Sklansky books. I would read it all in five days and I wouldn't learn anything. My results weren't improving. My strategies mm. weren't improved. I didn't feel like I was doing anything. And and just something suddenly clicked in my head. I've been a, a, a teacher for a good part of my life. I started off uh, being a, a, an SAT math teacher in college, like a, a classroom teacher, but then one-on-one teaching. And I just realized that drilling and and purposefully practicing on certain math topics over and over again is how you learn. After college, I went to Japan and taught English for a year and a half. 
And in there, when you're teaching people how to speak English, and I wasn't allowed to speak Japanese, I couldn't, I couldn't say anything in Japanese to help them understand concepts. I was only, I was required just to speak in English. But we did tons of drills over and over again. I give them a sentence structure, and then we 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 practice that one sentence over and over with different nouns and verbs within mm. the sentence. You know what I mean? And so I know that repetitive drills really help people learn Japanese. And so if this kind of purposeful practice and repetitive drills work for other things. And they also work for sports. We all played sports growing up, right? When you learn to dribble a ball, you'd be out there in the front yard uh, uh, in the street for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, just dribbling, 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 right? Was When your dad finally gave you a basketball hoop, you would take shot after shot in the street, right? And that's how you learn, develop those muscle memories and and how you got better at the sport. Well, the same stuff happens for poker. But for so many years, nobody ever talked about it. And I felt that it was like a, a niche that was underserved. And then so that's where smart poker study came from. There you go. And well, like my, my um, whole teaching style. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as I know, um, you've you've got new material coming out all the time. Um, what have you been working on lately? And what what can if people want to get more involved or want to dip their toe into the into Lake Matsuhashi? Um, what uh, what have you got coming up that people could get excited about? Yeah, well, I have, um, I'm going to be releasing it this week. It's my one day three bet bluffing course. Mm. We're over the course of one day, eight to 10 hours. Um, I'm going to teach you how to become a three bet, a pre flop three bet bluffer, but it's not just pre flop. It's also some post flop strategies too, because sometimes you get called when you three bet bluff with your seven, six suit in your pocket force. Yeah, exactly. Drat. Darn. I know I got called. <laughs> it doesn't seem so fair. you got to. Yeah, you got to figure out what to do post-flop to win that three-bet pot, right? So it's all of that pre-flop and post-flop strategies for three-bet bluffing. And um, I'm actually going to, this week's podcast is going to be about how to learn from course content. Like when you sign up for a course or you buy somebody's course, or you get a membership. How do you learn from that stuff? Because a lot of people don't know how to learn from that. They they get a membership to the PokeForge and they just watch video after video after video. But then this this week's podcast is going to give you strategies on how to learn from course content specifically. And I'm going to feature my new course within that podcast episode in the video on YouTube, kind of like demonstrating how to learn from courses. So that'll be coming out this week at uh, smartpokerstudy.com slash YouTube for that video or just smartpokerstudy.com as well. But look for that episode dropping probably on Wednesday or Thursday. All right. So if you're watching live here on YouTube, but you've got a few days to uh, make some room in the calendar because you're going to have some fun studying to do coming up. Um, this episode will come out on its audio format on Friday this week. So if you're listening to this to the day that, that it comes out, you can probably head over to smartpokerstudy.com uh, slash YouTube uh, or something similar, and you'll be able to find it there. So that that's exciting. Um, well, is, is there anything else, Sky? Is there anything else that, that you're excited about or that you want to share with the audience before we let you roll on out of here? Um, uh, nothing else like smart poker study-wise. I mean, next week's going to be Thanksgiving, and I love Thanksgiving. Oh, you've got so. your tournament, right? Do you still do that every year? Is that the I turkey? don't know if they're holding it this year. They held it last year, and it's yep. always fun. I go, it's called the turkey shoot, right? We do right. it every single year. I just don't know. <laughs> I haven't heard anything about it this year. And generally, by now, I will have heard something. Are we expecting yeah. 18, 27 players? What's the buy-in? 100 $150, whatever it is. I haven't heard anything. So thanks for reminding me. I need to contact <laughs> my friend, Bert and figure out what's going on there. So I'm hoping we're playing again this year, but yes, but besides that, just dinner, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up with the family. That'll be nice and fun. And then after that, um, starting on Monday, the 28th, I'm going to resume my GTO plus uh, daily mm. discord 
um, I guess, streams, I guess you can call them, with my Poker Forge members. Right on. Well, I've always enjoyed uh, hearing those recaps on the podcast of uh, the fun that you've had down there at the turkey shoot and, and that sort of thing. Um, and so if folks want to get a hold of this guy, you can go to at uh, uh, Smart Poker Study on um, Twitter, which I know you're very uh, you're active there. Um, the Smart Poker Study YouTube channel um, with the PokerForge.com. Is there other other uh, ways that uh, links or addresses or ways for people to find you? Nope, that's it. Those are them. And then just my my main site, smartpokerstudy.com. Yeah. Yeah. Nailed it. All right. Cool. Well, Sky, I always enjoy these conversations. I feel like our listeners leave uh, with a richer understanding of the game and how to study, which I think is so important. So um, thank you for this time. And I hope uh, if folks had a good time today, go tweet at Smart Poker Study. Let Sky know that you heard him on the show and that you had a great time. Um, and we'll just start looking forward to the next time we get to uh, we get to break this out together, my man. Yep, yep. I'll be here for you. <laughs> Cheers. All right. All right. Well, care. thanks again, Scott. You yep. have a good night and happy Thanksgiving. Thank you very much. You too. All right. So, yes, we got some comments in the chat here. I don't know if they shoot an actual turkey. Um, I'm guessing that they don't. I, that hasn't come up in the podcast recaps that I've heard, Joe, uh, but I'm not sure about that. Um, Eric Anderson says the three greatest tools for a beginner our Sky's 66 Days of Hand Reading, Jonathan Little's Weekly Poker Hand, and Split Suit's Free Poker Math Course in that order. Uh, and I've got good news for fans of Eric Anderson's. Um, Sky, Jonathan, and James Sweeney at Split Suit, they're all members of our Learning with Partners program. So if you feel like these are the kind of people that you'd like to be learning from, I'd encourage you to go give that Rec Poker Premium membership a try for $5 using the code Rec Poker. And we've got like two years in our archive now of video clips from these amazing training sites. And it's not just them. It's Learn Pro Poker. It's... Uh, uh, Solve for Why is the MTT Poker Academy. Uh, the list goes on. Um, there we have quite an archive of themed training videos that these other amazing uh, uh training sites have put together. And uh, Andrew Feist, who's our uh, learning uh, partners director here, uh, he chooses different segments from this material every month that sort of sync up with our theme of the month. So if you want to learn about three betting or responding to three bets or playing against limpers, um, all the kind of recent subjects of ours and an upcoming subject of ours in our themes of the month, um, come check that out and uh, you'll get a whole bunch of great, great stuff there. I see we're already starting the food bank uh, in the, uh, in the chat. That's awesome. So if you're listening along, you just type the words food bank into the chat box and we're going to uh, draw, well, we're not going to draw a prize. We're going to roll a nerdy die here. And uh, the winner this week will get a free month of membership at erect.poker. If you are already a premium member here at Rec Poker, then we'll take that uh, $15 that you would have spent that month and we'll convert it into a coaching credit. Uh, so you can get a, uh, help from anyone on the Wrecking Crew, uh, myself, Chris, uh, I know John and uh, Rob are always have their ears open. Um, Tim Fritz, uh, Keith Brandt, K Kim Kilroy. Uh, we've got a, a host of folks on the Wrecking Crew that are, love working with poker players. And, and Taylor Moss has been on a tear lately too. Just yes, a tear. It's quite a quite a yeah. a lot of big success. You've had a good hit recently. Um, Keith had the score of his best score of his lifetime a few weeks ago, which is amazing. Taylor's been kicking butt. 
Um, and it's not just the wrecking crew members like Colin Anderson had a really nice score recently. Yeah. Um, some other, other premium members are tearing it up. Um, and there's also like other folks like, uh, Kevin Mathers, um, Gareth James, uh, Dario Kearney, uh, are also members of the wrecking crew who just love spreading their love of poker with, with players all over. So go to rec.poker slash crew and see if there's anyone there that you're interested in working with. Um, I'm glad to see that Phil's telling me that I'm number one right now. And I know exactly how you're doing that, Phil. I can visualize uh, the way that you're telling me that I'm number one. So thank you for that. <laughs> um, well, I was going to run into the, uh, uh, we were going to run into the home games. We've got all these people typing food bank in the chat. So I think we should just do the draw um, now. So the first one in there was Rob Adsum, Captain Wally. He knows how this game is played. You want to get in there early because these, uh, dice seem to really enjoy rolling a one, but we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. All right. So we get to roll an eight sided die. Yes. We get to pull out the nerd die. Um, so I'm actually going to just say if it's a one, we're going to re-roll it. And if it's two through eight, that'll correspond to the numbers. Oh, one come through on. Seven you can't do that to Rob Adson. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think he was kind of bending the rules anyway. Otherwise, you know, why not? Pretty soon people are going to start chatting while we're in the preview <laughs> stuff. Before yeah, the podcast. Yeah, now you got an start. eighth one. An eighth oh, one we got an eighth. Yeah, no, Jack Jack got it. Okay, so Jack, you saved Rob being the number one spot here. All right, so we're going to roll the eight-sided. No, Rob's going to be. <laughs> I love doing these live. I enjoyed doing these when we did them in the can. But, man, I love doing these live. I get so much. I get such a kick out of I'm, seeing I'm these people blow up honor. in the chat. If, if Rob, yeah. this is a one, you, you owe me part of your prize. because No, that's true. It's true. All right, Rob, you got us. So we're doing, yeah, Rob's, <laughs> Rob says food bag next week. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's what we're talking about here. Okay, let's. Let's see what we got. All right, so starting with Rob and working down here. Yeah, that's right, Joe. There's eight of us, eight of them. So let's see who the winner is. Four. All right, so Rob, one, two, three. It's Jack LaRue. Jack, welcome back to the winner's circle. You're no stranger to uh, uh, coming across here. I know we're shouting you out on the podcast for being a home game winner. Um, Jack, send me an email, my friend. Jim at rec.poker, and we will make sure that you get that prize. And everyone else, I'll just say, you know, we use the word food bank because A, we love giving stuff away, but it's also just an easy way to reference the fact that there's lots of people maybe in your neighborhood who are having trouble putting food on the table. It's not always the people that you might expect. Um, so lots of people need help right now. So a great way for you to help out your community in your neighborhood uh, is to just go down, just Google local food bank or food bank near me, and you'll find an organization that could use some dollars, time, or some non-perishable food items. So I'd encourage everyone to go and uh, support your local food bank. And uh, yeah, Jack, send me that um, send me that email, my friend, and we'll get you all hooked up. Speaking of getting all hooked up, um, we're about to talk about who won some home game home games recently. And uh, the, one of our kind of new additions to the home game club is our Fun Country online play and hang. And this is every Thursday night at 10 o'clock Eastern. Our premium members are welcome to come and uh, play a nine-handed sit-and-go. It's free to play. And the winner gets a $25 Amazon gift card. That's $25, US folks. Uh, compliments of our friends over at Fun Country Poker. 
Uh, it's a great platform. It's an easy way to play with your friends and have a yeah, you get to experience. see you get to see each other. It's interactive. It's social. You can win twenty five yeah. bucks. Let's, yeah, what? Let's come go. on, check it out. I know folks like Dave Westerveld. Um, they're printing money this year. They're they're paying fifteen dollars a month to be a Rec Poker Premium member, and they are just rolling in these twenty five dollar Amazon gift cards. So he he's making money for it. Uh, Phil Razor. Says he's been bamboozled again. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, Phil, send send me that screenshot. I don't want to have to get Joey Ingram back on the show uh, talking about the newest uh, the newest scandal in in streaming in poker streaming. But yeah, that's right. Oh, some fun comments from Troy and Ben too. Uh, Troy Chapman and Ben Enslow, who have something in common that I'm gonna I'm not gonna say on the air right now. But uh, Troy and Ben, you guys have uh, a little something in common that we're, that some of our other Wrecking Crew members might get a chance to talk about a little later on tonight. Um, uh, Charles Allen is the fellow who won the uh, uh, Fun Country Online Play and Hang last week. So Charles, way to go. Um, it's been fun getting to see a little more of Charles uh, lately in some of our uh, strategy discussions, too. He's always looking so dapper coming in there and dropping knowledge on us. So thanks, Charles, and congratulations. You'll be getting that Amazon gift card in the mail sometime soon. Um, but the real prize from the online home games, as you'll see, are these snappy pins, these fancy, handsome, elusive wreck uh, poker pins. And you can only go win those from playing in our free home game club on PokerStars run by the incomparable John Somsky. So, John, uh, why don't you take us through some some recent winners and, and tell them what they've won? Well, we'll start off by, I mean, you just mentioned someone who had been on a tear lately. So we'll just continue that uh, trend and... Go for boy, TJM. I didn't know he was listening either. I mean, he types <laughs> up in the chat. Let's just let's just move on. This is like <laughs> you know, yada, yada. I would he's like got a nothing. wrench in the chat. Carefully, he's, he's holding that wrench a little day like it's a weapon. Careful. I'd like nothing Careful. better than to skip this. However, <laughs> it's just too impressive. This is his second mixed vec- vec- mixed victory for the year. Oh. He is leading both of our championship oh series. Oh my god. He is Come ahead on. in the Nolan Hold'em what series the... and the mixed game series. Is, I think as it sits right now. He's our gonna guest, be our guest tonight. What did Sky say? Online poker is rigged. Isn't that what he said? That's what it was. That's the, that was the takeaway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I think Taylor figured that out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Taylor says, let's talk about the player of the year. Yeah, we all hear you, Taylor. No, all all, all kidding aside, we love to give Taylor a hard time on the show here, but and and rightfully so. But that is really impressive uh, to be able to be leading the mixed game standings and the no limit hold'em standings. Like that's my hats off to you, sir. Well done. So So I'm just. I mean, it's still November, but begging the rest of the community here to please do not let him win both of these. (laughs) I I mean. He's yeah, you don't have to work with him. <laughs> He's insufferable as it is. So please give him some competition. At least if he's going to be insufferable, make him earn the hell out of it. Yeah. Should we put a bounty on him? Yes. Let's put a bounty on him. Yes. Let's do it. There's one more monthly tournament left, right? There's the December No Limit Hold'em one on the first Wednesday of the month. And there is the uh, mixed game monthly on the second Wednesday of the month. Yeah. I'm just going to say right now. If you're playing in the monthly home game in December, if you take Taylor Moss out, 
we're going to give you a free month of premium membership at rec.poker. And if you're already a premium member, we're going to convert that into a $15 coaching credit that you could get from Taylor. Taylor is one of our coaching members. Uh, Spread the word, members. too. Spread the word wide and far. Yeah. Let's get the whole player pool going. You, you guys realize all you're doing is giving him lots of loose chips. For the whole <laughs> and you're going to submit his earning the top spot. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's official. Yeah, we're all going to be gopher boy hunting come uh, Wednesdays in uh, Wednesdays in December. I, I'm going to be I'm going to I'm going to stand by that. So um, so I know I know, Rob, we're, we might be helping him out there, too. But uh, that's the plan. So if you take if you take Taylor out on the first Wednesday of the month or the second Wednesday of the month in December, uh, let me know. Taylor, uh, try and try and like just jot down whoever takes you out of the tournament. And, if, and Taylor, I guess if you win each of those tournaments and no one takes you out then we'll have to come up with something embarrassing for me to do that uh that sort of counters that because that seems like the only uh, the only fair way to do that so um but seriously congratulations 11 months in that's a hell of a that's a hell of an accomplishment i mean isn't just you being here embarrassing enough that, not, so, some say it is so, John. Yeah. <laughs> some say it is so. <laughs> I guess, you know, we could have you sing like the American national anthem. <laughs> right. Oh, like that. Oh. oh, that would be a good one. Oh. That would be a good turnaround. That, that yep. there's, there's history there. That's true. <laughs> okay, a a so then for the daily series, Ivor Big One got his second nightly victory for the year. Oh, Mudslinger nice. 1942, Jack Pesho hey, got his sweet. third nightly victory for the year. Torner, Joshua Camba, fourth Gosh. nightly victory. Kecky. 65, that is Keck Geek Jr., got his sixth nightly victory for the year, and that's his 39th lifetime victory for the Rec Poker Club. So impressive. With that, I'm going to pause and say we have something coming for you next year. There is going to be a prize that Jacob, oh, sorry, Keck Geek 65. Doxed, um, doxed. (laughs) <laughs> is very close to earning. So there will be more about that, and we will announce that as the year goes along. I need to finalize some things with Jim, but there is more to come. Then six Devil Rod six, Omar Rodriguez got his first nightly victory for the year. Stewie 13, Stuart Carriage, hey. got his second daily mixed victory for the year. Evil Roy C B A. David Westerveld mm-hmm. won the 8 a.m. Uh, international tournament. And All he does is Charles win, win. Ammon Charles! Won the 2 p.m. for his second victory for the year. Now then, KB won the hey. LPP event, so he should contact Jim at Rec.Poker for his free month at Learn Pro Poker. That's right. I'm just going to say, Doug, uh, you are in for a treat um, send me that email, Jim at rec.poker. There's a lot of great stuff happening over at Learn Pro Poker that you will enjoy. Because as as John points out, everyone who wins are, are again, these home games are free, people. They're free. It, it, we have them. There's 10 a week. If you win the one that we have on Sunday, that's the Learn Pro Poker, a Sunday home game. It's just as free. It's just as fun. Um, it's at 9 Eastern, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, just like all the other uh uh, nightly home games. We have some earlier ones on Saturday for our international guests. 
but you can win a free month at Learn Pro Poker, and it's really valuable. They do amazing stuff there. So um, now then, KB, I might have just doxed you if your name's private. Sorry about that. Um, but send me that email, jim at rec.poker. <laughs> I know who you are. <laughs> and we'll get you that prize. Uh, so I'm excited for that. That's going to be awesome. Um, well, I, I wish Rob could uh, join the conversation here because he's in. he's got some exciting news too. Rob, you want to try? Do? No. Hey! Hey! hey. We got him. It's I Rob took Marshall. off my headset. I, I'm using the microphone on my computer now. There you go. So that um, must be the issue. That's it. Uh, so exciting news. If folks are watching live. If, if folks are watching live, they'll be able to join us this Wednesday. Okay. Yes. This Wednesday, we have Dara O'Carney and Barry Carter joining the book study. Yes. Wow. So that's at 6.30 Central Time. Um, and if you're a premium member, you can join and ask questions of your own. We do have uh, a few questions already submitted by some of our members. So we have a list of questions that we're going to ask them about. Um the book end game poker strategy we could also probably get into a little bit about the new book and get a little bit of insight into what the new book is all about because i believe that's coming out now or yeah real just soon be coming out real yep. soon so um there's a lot of things going on with dara and barry and so it'll be fun to catch up with them again and uh, talk about end game poker strategy and get them to answer some of our questions that's going to be great and, and i think uh we we always do this when we do the book study. Uh, at the end of the sessions, we have a Q&A, a live Q&A with the author. Um, and it honestly, it runs like a coaching session. Uh, so if you're if if you're listening live, it's not too late. Uh, join the premium membership for five bucks and come and and basically get an hour of coaching from Barry Carter and Darrow Carney. Um, you can't go wrong with that. It's a uh, uh, it's it's just it's it's a great conversation. Those guys really know what they're talking about. And getting that kind of live access through the group um, coaching dynamic is fantastic. Um, Troy Chapman uh, piping up in the chat here to say he's already got his copy of The Poker Brain because that is the next book that we're going to be uh, reviewing. Rob Washam is going to be leading our premium membership through The Poker Brain by Matt Matros, chapter by chapter, uh, starting in the first Wednesday of December, I think. Is that right, Rob? That will be correct. And so that'll be uh, getting getting into that for the holidays. Um, but we do archive all these sessions. And uh, Rob goes to great lengths to put excellent slides together for every session, summarizing each of the notes from the uh, chapter. We do a review at the end of it. There's a lot of great additional learning uh, that you can get from uh, either just checking the slides that Rob's put, it, put out in advance um, or by actually just watching the videos of the previous session. So it's not too late to get caught up and to get involved. And that's just a tip of the iceberg of what we do here in the premium membership at uh, Rec Poker. Um, Chris, the next theme of the month that's coming up in uh, in uh, December is playing against limpers. Is that right? That's Yeah, that's correct. Um, so, so oh, go ahead. No, no so, so, so all month will be kind of whether it's in um, your seminar whether it's in the deep dive video, uh, whether it's in Keith Brandt's off-table tools uh, uh, session, whether it's in my own Poker Tracker 4 review group, Kim Kilroy's hand history review review group, review group, um, all the great stuff that we do here. The theme is going to be playing against limpers. So if that's something that you uh, 
experience in your game playing against limpers. I'm sure it is. Uh, this might be a good time to come and dip your toe into what's going on in rec poker. Give yourself a little holiday gift. A little Christmas. Christmas should come early for some of our members this year, I think, uh, for $5. Come on, come in and join the conversation. Uh, Troy says we need to be public, publicly flogging limpers. Yeah, that's right. Well, we just we do that by raising over them with a perfectly balanced range and then stealing their chips uh, post-flop. So that's that. Uh, you can get me into that kind of a flogging any day. Uh, what else should we uh, talk to our listeners about before we roll on out of here, gang? I think that might be it. Well, it's just impossible for me to uh, express how appreciative I am to our sponsors, the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, Sky Matsuhashi, what an amazing guy and guest, Rob, John, and Chris, and you, the listeners. We could not do it without you, so thanks for your support, and we'll see you next week.